0: This is the Thanks for Sharing podcast, the podcast where we explore all things recovery, healing, and relationship. Remember to subscribe and download episodes in the iTunes Store, Google Play, or on the Podbean app. And while you're there, I'd love a review. Hi, friends. Welcome to the Thanks for Sharing podcast. I'm Jackie P., and I am your host. I want to talk today um, about a couple of things, but where we're going to start. I first was thinking about when I was young, right? When I was growing up, Tuesday was my favorite day of the week. Did you have one of those days of the week when you were young? like, You know when you're a kid and you have to know your list of favorites and you start to have a favorite of everything, right? So blue was my favorite color. Tuesday was my favorite day of the week. My favorite candy was and slash may still be um, the red licorice nibs. My favorite food was these cheese enchiladas from a restaurant in town that I didn't go to very often, but I just loved them. My favorite TV show was Laverne and Shirley, which also happened to coincide on Tuesday, right? Laverne and Shirley aired on Tuesday when I was young. And so I also think that probably had a big impact on why Tuesday was my favorite day of the week. I would not say Tuesday is my favorite day of the week as an adult, probably more like Saturday. But, um, you know, when things go our way as a kid and things start to line up, right, you know it's a good day. And there were certain things as a kid that you kind of looked for and you were like, yes, it's Tuesday, or, oh, my favorite show's on tonight, or, you know, when they're handing out things at school, if you got your favorite color, right, it was all this sign of positivity, right, that something was going well for you, that luck gods had f- smiled down on you and things were going well, Right. Now, the definition of what makes a good day can vary, and it usually changes the older that we get. You know, maybe it's finding a front parking spot. I remember when I was first starting to drive, right, it was one of those, like, if I found a good parking spot and it had enough space so that I felt comfortable parking in it, neither car on either side was too close, right? So that I could actually park somewhat close where cars actually parked and not far away. Then that made it that it was a good day, right? Um, maybe I remember like in high school, I was having a good hair day, right? Like a bad hair, hair day could like just set the whole day off in a way that was like, it's going to be an awful day. You know, when things go our way, it feels good. Now, one of the things that I learned when I was young, I had to share a bedroom With my older sister, she was two years older than me, and her favorite color was yellow. And, you know, when we were deciding um, the paint, and at the time we did wallpaper, and so when we were deciding that with my mom, she was, you know, very much putting forth her, like, I wanna have yellow, I wanna do yellow. And in my mind, I was like, well, blue goes with yellow. We could have a blue and a yellow room. My mom had a different idea, right? My mom decided that she preferred orange with with yellow so I grew up in an orange and yellow bedroom which I don't mind orange today as an adult in fact I really like the color orange but as a kid I was not happy at all and you know I I tried it I've had friends who have said to me can you find pictures of that bedroom because the way you describe it I've got to see it all come together so we have like a yellow shag carpet um our wallpaper was orange did I say yellow shag carpet? I meant orange. We had an orange shag carpet. Our uh, wallpaper was like flowers and polka dots, and they were both yellow and orange, Different, a couple different shades of orange and then yellow. And then we had this light fixture that had like, the best I can describe it is like, they had like those bicycle reflectors. It was kind of, it, it was a um, metal flower or, light fixture, round light fixture that hang down, hung down from the ceiling just a little bit, not, not much. And then it was a circle, like a yellow or a tin metal circle with flowers. And the middle of each flower was this like bicycle reflector. I don't know, bicycle reflector that was like orange or yellow. So that was the bedroom that I had from probably I don't know seven on up oh and my mom also made us both my sister and me she made us orange bedspreads right so the whole bed was this orange bedspread and so you know I learned at a young age that things don't always go my way right I really preferred blue and yellow and what I got was orange and yellow what I got was what my mom preferred not what I preferred um So it might be one of those things where, you know, we have like these indications that things are going to be a good day, and then we have these indications that things are not going to be a good, go our way and be a good day, or things are actually going to go the way that we don't want. This past week, I'm actually recording this podcast about um, a day later than I typically do, and so it's going to drop a little bit later than it typically does And it's just been kind of a hard day at our, or not a hard day. It's been a hard week at our house. And, you know, two of my kids, the daughter number three and daughter number four, they've, you know, it's been a year of transitions, I would say, for them. You know, we did move, which impacted daughter number four more than daughter number three because she's the only one left in high school. And so it's just been a hard year for her and we have had this conversation and it comes up periodically throughout the year where we talk about how things are going and she just is like, it's just hard. Like it's gotten a little bit better, but it's still hard. Like I don't know people, I'm meeting some people, I'm starting to make some friends and they're starting to remember to invite me to things and it's still hard. Like it, you know, if we hadn't moved... I would have known these people from the time I was really young and I would have known them and they know me in a different way than I do now. And this is difficult and it is hard. And so it's just been kind of one of those weeks where she's not doing anything wrong and I don't know that there's anything more necessarily that she can do. She's just not there yet, right? And so it's one of those where I know that she's feeling tired and she's feeling exhausted. And as a parent, it's so hard to see all the difficult things that she's gone through. And then just to say, and you got to keep going, right? You just got to keep going. Similar situation with daughter number three. I mean, it doesn't have to do with school, but she works really hard um, on her soccer and is, you know, trying to make goals that she sets for herself and she's working hard. And I would say she's going above and beyond from what is expected Um, for soccer at a college level. And yet she's still not meeting her goals, right? I mean, she's breaking some of her personal records, which is awesome, but she's still not getting the play time that she wants. And things are just hard. And it's not, again, anything that I would say, oh, you have to adjust, right? Which sometimes it's easier if, if we're doing something and somebody says, oh, do it this way. Oh, okay, that makes sense, right? But when there's nothing necessarily to adjust and we just have to keep going, that can be really difficult or we have to keep going not knowing what the outcome is going to be and that can be hard and that's when you know things get more serious and they go to a depth right that it's not just about like oh I'm having a bad hair day right it's not just about my favorite tv show got bumped for something else right that was always a bummer when I was a kid right some special news report came in and bumped my TV show. And, and life can be much more turbulent and life can get much more serious and deep than what I was alluding to earlier. And sometimes I would say we find ourselves in this hostile territory. So I wanna go back to um, one of the things that I'll use sometimes during this, like as an analogy, whether I'm talking with clients or whether I use it for myself or whether I talk to my kids about it, is this analogy of a river and you know this is spring spring is starting here where i live in salt lake city and so we're starting to see some higher temperatures um i think today is like 62 and it's this beautiful spring day outside um however like just last friday we woke up to a couple of inches of snow that nobody was really expecting and so we'll still have some cold temperatures and some snow and then we can have a beautiful spring day and one of the things this does is it starts to fill up our rivers right and the rivers start to run much quicker and stronger and fast than they do kind of in july or august right when it's maybe still a moving running river but it's not as powerful and it's not as dangerous either and so one of the things i wanted to talk about i was um, mentioning with a client about how sometimes when trauma happens in our life, right? So trauma would be not just I'm having a bad day, right? I mean, there may be some things in your day that are maybe little T traumas or very little T traumas. Again, with little T traumas, just a reminder, those little T traumas, if they're done consistently, that can add up to a bigger T-trauma, right? So for example, with my youngest in high school, I was very aware when she was starting, right? Because every day she would go and every day she would have to eat lunch by herself or she'd call one of her college sisters and be like, come pick me up. But if they couldn't come pick her up, she was left eating all by herself, right? Now, if that had gone on the whole school school year, those little T-traumas, right? Maybe Maybe the rest of her day went fine but having to go to lunch every day at school and eat all by yourself when all the other kids are talking and laughing and going and doing all these things with friends and you're there by yourself, right? That consistent little T trauma can add up to a bigger T trauma or can be as significant. Maybe I wouldn't say it adds up to a big T trauma, but that little consistent little T trauma is going to be as impactful as maybe one big T trauma. So as I'm talking about this, some of the times I'll talk about, I think in our last episode, I was talking about free fall and how sometimes we we make the choice and we jump into a free fall in our life. And other times something happens to us and we find ourselves in free fall and we didn't necessarily know this. Right now, some people that I've worked with, I will say this comes up as we're talking about trauma for sure. It definitely comes up when I'm talking with partners and meeting with partners and they're um, kind of thrust into this betrayal trauma that they're dealing with. Oftentimes I use the analogy, it's kind of like finding yourself in this very fast moving high river, right? Where you're just kind of going in circular motions, right? Trying to keep your head above water, but really getting taken down and and made feel a couple of times like I just hit into a stone, but I couldn't grab a hold of it and get myself on like some solid ground. It just was a force that I hit into and kept going, right? So sometimes when we're dealing with trauma, it can feel like this, I'm in a fast-moving river and I can't get my bearings, right? I don't know how to get my feet underneath me in a way that brings me some stability. And I'm just, you know, head over turning and and not being able to get my feet on solid ground. So one of the things that I will talk about if this is the situation, right? And they're in a session with me talking about like, this is how my week has gone and it's traumatic, right? We'll use this, this analogy. And often I will say, I, I want you to think for a minute, like just Notice how that's feeling in your body as you're talking about the trauma, right? And this works even if we're not dealing with betrayal trauma. I think this analogy can work with any type of trauma that you're working on and that is unresolved and maybe surfacing. But let's say we, let's use this example as betrayal trauma. And they're talking about, you know, just what comes up as they're talking to me about their week. And it's one of those weeks where wave after wave or current after current of the river just kind of keeps hitting them and maybe they've hit a couple of rocks and they haven't found any like peaceful little area in the river to kind of go and get their breath. So I'll just kind of say to them, notice what's happening in your body. Notice how you feel that, like notice what's going on and where you feel that in your body. Then I'll usually say, now I want you to picture yourself here in this office look around if you need to kind of look at the different objects in here. And I want you to be able to kind of pick yourself up out of the river and move yourself onto the safe river bank. And let's talk about like, as you do that, like what happens to you as you move from the fast moving river where you can barely keep your breath and you can't get your feet underneath you. What happens now that you're sitting on the bank and you're safe Right? You're not on the very edge so that you could fall back in, but you're safely at a distance where you feel calm and safe, and now you're just watching the river. Oftentimes what clients will say is, Oh, it looks different from here. It feels different. I feel different when I'm sitting on the bank. Which is true, right? If you're in a fast-moving river, if you're in a situation where you can barely keep your breath. And the wind keeps getting knocked out of you and you can't get your feet underneath you when you're finally on some stable ground, right? Whether that's like the actual, uh, like a river bank, or if that's other things in your life that kind of give you that stability, then it's going to feel differently. Like something's going to shift and, you know, I may have to cough up the water a little bit, but I can start to breathe again. I can feel the stability of the ground underneath me, and the ground feels very safe. And I feel like I'm gonna, like, my perspective is different, right? I feel like how life is gonna go or how that I'm going to be okay, right? Which, when I'm in the midst of that trauma and I'm getting like tossed around in the river, I don't know if I'm going to be okay. I don't know. I like, I'm not even thinking about like long term what decisions do i need to make how am i going to get through this right and as we've talked about on this podcast previously a lot of that has to do with because you know of that part of our brain that comes on when we're in a danger situation so if we are in trauma the part of our brain who you know that is resilient that that gets us thinking like oh this will be a great learning experience that part of our brain is just shut off right it it works too slow And when I say that, that doesn't mean it's slow. It means it's slower than that part of our brain that really kicks in when we're in trauma, right? That part of our brain is milliseconds faster, right? Which in dangerous situations makes a huge difference. So when we're on the riverbank, things look different, right? And a couple of tips maybe that we can do to kind of pull ourselves out of that river, right? Now, one of the things um, that I'll, I'll tell clients, is imagine that, right? Imagine you, the person, and seeing yourself kind of like being tossed and turned around in this fast moving river, but that you have kind of this long arm and you can reach in and pull them out. And I want you to vision yourself doing that, right? Envision reaching in pulling yourself out, bringing you next to yourself on the riverbed safely. Now you may be feeling some of the warmth of the sun, right? Things can quickly shift and feel better. You may be able to breathe again, right? You're not feeling so nervous about that. And that doesn't mean that we don't have to process what just happened in the river, right? We don't just get up and walk away and think, okay, I'm fine, I don't have to deal with this trauma that I was just in the middle of. So a couple of tips, right, that maybe can help to restore some personal power and maybe bring some peace when everything else has kind of been flying around us. Tip number one, I would say, let yourself fully feel the emotion, right? And this is different than being in the river, right? Then you're like in the emotion, right? You are panicked. You don't know if you're going to survive. You don't know that everything's going to be okay. You don't know what the next five seconds are going to bring, right? But once you're on the riverbank, allow yourself then to to, uh, fully feel what the emotions were. Don't rush past this process. For a lot of us, once we get on stable ground, we want to be done. We want to move forward. We don't even want to think about being in the river again, right? And again, we're not going to jump back into the river, but we are going to fully feel the emotions. And it's also helpful, right, if we can talk to somebody on the riverbank about how scary that was for us and how panicked we felt and how we didn't know if we were gonna be okay. So we're not gonna judge, we're not gonna analyze the emotion, we're simply going to allow ourselves to feel whatever it is that we're feeling and we're not gonna get stuck in the emotion either, right? Like, I'm not gonna live my life as though I'm still in the river. I'm going to let it pass But I can still talk about it as though there was this really terrifying time in my life and I didn't know if I was going to be okay, right? Now, sometimes based on what's happening to you, the people that you would talk about that event to may be very few, right? There may be a few people, maybe it's in a a recovery group that you're part of and you're willing to talk with them but you don't talk to a lot of people about what happened. Um, Tip number two. I think that when we're really hurting on the inside, practicing self-compassion is key. So tip number two is we've got to practice some self-compassion, right? I don't know if we were to using this example of the fast-moving river, if we were to reach over and pull ourselves out of the river, and let's say that our current self, right, our adult self is the one on the riverbank helping this one that's being tossed to and fro, right? Now, we're not going to be like, why did you feel panicked? You were fine. I was right here the whole time. We would never say that, right, to ourselves or to anybody else if we just plucked them out of the river and brought them to safety, right? If they were to say like, That was so scary i couldn't get breath i didn't know if i was going to make it right we'd be like i'm so glad you're okay that was very scary it was scary for me when i saw you in that situation i'm so glad you're okay right that would be kind of the language and the way that we would talk and oftentimes when it's ourselves we get pretty critical right we might be very judging about why did you get in the river in the first place? You shouldn't have gone that close. You know that it's unsafe. You know that it's spring. You know that there's a lot of runoff and it's fast moving. Like why would you put yourself in that situation, right? And, and so tip number two really says I've got to um, be kind and gentle with myself and I've got to attune to my true self, not the one that was being thrown about by the turbulence, and then wants to quickly figure out how I can never do that again, right? And so I tend to get really critical about why I found myself in that situation. But I'm going to be kind and I'm going to be gentle and understanding about how difficult this was, right? And whatever it is that life brings to you, right? Because if you think about it again, river, most of the time when people use the analogy of a river, a lot of times life is a symbol of a river, right? Like a river symbolizes life. And so when life gets hard, when life throws you things that you were not expecting that take your breath away, you've got to be able to be gentle and kind with yourself. Tip number three, right? You have got to breathe and deep breathe and deep breathe. I think we talked in our last episode about the importance of that deep diaphragmatic breathing, right? And I think that becomes really important. Again, we're shifting our, our brain is starting to say, okay, we're safe now, right? If we keep doing that shallow breathing, the brain hasn't got the message that we're safe, that we're on dry land, that we're no longer in this dangerous life-threatening situation. And so we've got to start breathing and we've got to start, I mean, initially it may take a little while, right? But we've got to start getting that deep breathing. And as you inhale and exhale, fill your breath with affirmations, right? Now, one of the affirmations that I frequently will use, right? Especially if I am getting hard on myself or want to kind of blame myself for the situation or think that I've made a mistake, right? One of the affirmations that I will use is simply to say, I love myself anyway, right? It doesn't matter that I made a mistake or it doesn't matter that things didn't go the way that I thought they would go. I love myself anyway. If that doesn't work for you, find one that does, right? That frequently as you inhale and then let it go, that you're inhaling this loving affirmation and that you're exhaling some of that negative, toxic, critical, or harsh language that we use with ourselves. Now, I think fourth, right? I think in those situations, it's important that we choose love. And I think that can be maybe weird to talk about as we're sitting on the you know, river bank, safe from getting out of the river, But I think we have to choose love. And this step is going to take you really close to your core self. And this step is also going to require some work on your part. This is the step where we shift our feelings and our thoughts from fear or from anger to love and to peace. So you may do this you know, referring back to some of your favorite quotes. You may have favorite scripture passages that really bring you some peace and some comfort you may have some standards of truth, right, that you hold yourself to or these affirmations that you use to kind of remind yourself who you truly are and to get in that place where you're not acting from a place of fear and you're not acting from a place of anger or hurt, right? So that becomes important because I think we can be on the riverbank and we can feel safe, but we can still be angry, right? We can be on the riverbank and feeling safe and we're still like, I am going to get them back, right? And that's not necessarily moving that to, like, I may be aware that I'm now safe, but that may not fully move me to the best part of myself, right? Now, like I said with the last step, breathing helps us move into that step, but we kind of have to push ourselves back to that place and not let, let life get the best of us, right? I can't let Life, because life brings difficult things. I can't let that harden me. I can't let that make me a person who's overly cynical or harsh, right? That's not who I wanna be and that's not how I wanna live my life. And ultimately, that's not going to bring me the things that I'm seeking from that core place of myself. So I think that can be difficult, right? Particularly with the example of betrayal trauma. Oftentimes, you find yourself in this, fast-moving river of trauma, not necessarily because of anything you did, right? And it's very difficult to choose love. It's hard to choose love towards yourself, and it's hard to choose love with the person who betrayed you. Um, One of my favorite movies um, is A River Runs Through It, and this came out, um, I think, I would probably say maybe 8990 something like that. I could do a quick search and see when that came out. But I think I was old enough. I was like in that place. I think I was graduated from high school and um, was able to kind of go and it really had a big impact on me just as I think it does for most people, right? Who watch kind of those movies. Okay, well, I'm not being able to pull it up. It wants to pull up a lot of songs for me. Oh, that's because I accidentally clicked on a river flows in you and that is not what I was trying to, t- to type. A river runs through it. 1992. Okay, so 1992 I would have been 22 years old. So, you know, I had had some life experience at that point. I saw a lot of wisdom in it. I've seen it many times since then. In fact, it was one of the films that I introduced to my kids and particularly one of my kids just absolutely loves that movie. It's one of her favorite movies ever. And so again, as we're talking about this river and that the river symbolizes life, I want to talk about one of the quotes, right? That is such a great quote from this movie. And, and the part that I'm really looking for here comes at the end. It says, we can love completely what we cannot completely understand. Right, That's such a great like standard to kind of aim for when we're getting to love, right? Because oftentimes we like to love those things that are easy to love, right? The things that I already naturally love maybe. And so when we're in this river, because somebody put us there, right? Somebody that we loved and their actions were not lovely back towards us and it shoved us in this trauma river, right? It's hard to be able to love completely what we cannot completely understand. And let me just add here, I'm not saying that you have to stay in your marriage. I'm not saying you have to work through the betrayal trauma. I think that's a highly personal decision and something I would hope that you would work out with your therapist. But I think regardless of what path you go, right, staying married, working through it, getting divorced, working through it, both parts have to include this part for you to love yourself or to work through yourself so that you can, again, get to that place of being a loving person instead of this jaded, bitter person. So let me read you the f- full quote. It says, each one of us here today will at one time in our lives look upon a loved one who is in need and ask the same question. We are, helpi- are-, we are willing to help, Lord, but what if anything is needed? For it is true, we can seldom help those closest to us. Either we don't know what part of ourselves to give, or more often than not, the part we have to give is not wanted. And so it is with those we live. And so it is those we live with and should know who elude us. But we can still love them. We can love completely without completely understanding. And I think that's. I mean, there's so much wisdom in a lot of Norman Maclean. In his writings and in his stories, particularly. I mean, these are there in the movie, but if you've written the book, then the book is like even more rich with these amazing sayings that he has in there. And so, again, I think sometimes what we would do to help, right? I, I'm going to just refer back to this week. Like, what I have to help for my kids doesn't really seem like what they really need. It's not going to do much for them. And I don't know, I don't know that they don't need, they don't want it from me, right? What I have to give is not what's needed or what's wanted, but it's not going to change the situation, right? Now, I'm an advocate for oftentimes having somebody be there with us, know we're walking on a difficult path and checking in with us and saying, how are you doing? I know this is difficult, even though it's not my same, like I'm not working on these things, right? I think that's always helpful. And it is more helpful than having to do that all by ourselves, right? Journeying and having somebody know that we're particularly in a treacherous or dangerous or difficult part of our journey. It's always the journey goes a little bit better when we know somebody's there seeing us and maybe walking with us or at least being interested in us and caring for us during that time. But I think it's also important to know sometimes that those I call them useless platitudes, those useless platitudes, right? When I get in this place as a parent and I just say to my kids, well, work harder and you'll get what you need, right? That's not really showing up for them. That's not really being there in a way that says, I see you, right? It may make me feel better and it may make make me feel like I'm doing something, but really what's required of me, right, is to stay in this with them. And to say, hey, how's it going? Did you get the play time that you wanted this time? Hey, how is it going with friends? Oh, I saw that, you know, or, you know, my daughter's come home sometimes and said, maybe on a Saturday night, the friends invited her to go. And that was great. And she had a great time. But while she was hanging out with them on Saturday, she also heard that they had done something on Friday that she wasn't included to, right? And instead of just being like, well, you should just be grateful that they included you on Saturday, right? I need to be able to say, that's tough. I'm sorry. I know how that feels to be included in one thing and then to realize you didn't get included in everything. And it feels awful. And I'm so sorry. And I love you, right? There's not a whole lot more I can do for that in that moment, right? Or for her in that moment, but I've got to be able to get in there with her and empathize with her instead of you know, Brene Brown would say, sympathy doesn't really bring connection. Sympathy is that, like, oh, at least you got invited on Saturday, right? Or, oh, that looks bad. Like, I don't really know what to tell you because I always got included in things, right? So I think we've got to be able to kind of climb in the trenches with them and say, I'm so sorry that hurt. Another um, great quote that I found from A River Runs Through It is says this. One of life's quiet excitements is to stand somewhat apart from yourself and watch yourself softly becoming the author of something beautiful, right? And I love that because oftentimes that is what trauma does to us, right? It pushes us sometimes to the brink where we think we're going to break. And if we can, again, going back to this analogy, pull ourselves out of that even if it's for 10 minutes, right? And we know I'm going to get pushed back into the river because that's where I am in life right now. But for 10 minutes, I'm going to stand apart and I'm going to be able to look at myself somewhat from a distance and see that something beautiful is starting to come, right? And that I'm creating that in myself. This difficult time that maybe I didn't choose is is here, right? And I'm caught up in it and it's catching me up in it. And yet there's something beautiful in me that I can author and that I can bring to fruition, right? So that's something also that I think we can keep a hold of. That may be like a branch that we maybe grab onto, and maybe it's going to break, right? But maybe we grab onto it as we're falling, you know, just in the river and we're falling along and we grab this branch and it gives us five minutes of good breath before it snaps and we're back in the river. The last tip, tip number five, is you've got to face the truth that you fear right? So sometimes this is not right. This is not something we're doing in the fast moving river. I'm not facing the truth that I fear seeing in the fast moving river, right? But oftentimes when I'm working with partners who have been betrayed and are working through betrayal trauma, we get to this point. It's not at the beginning, right? It's not at the beginning. It often comes a long way into therapy, right? But we start to look at What's the part that you played in this story? You know, maybe that's part of your codependency. Maybe your dad was also an addict, right? And you just never knew how to speak up to your husband um, when he would do these things because you kind of froze similar to how you did when dad did this to mom. Whatever that looks like, right? You've got to look at and, and own the part that you played in the story. You've got to fix what you can, surrender what you can't, and get right with yourself and others, if possible, with others, right? But you've got to get right with yourself so that this doesn't continue to happen and it doesn't become a pattern. I think that can be difficult. Um, I want to end with this well-known quote from A River Runs Through It, where he says, Eventually, all things merge into one, and a river runs through it. The river was cut by the world's great flood and runs over rocks from the basement of time. On some of the rocks are timeless raindrops. Under the rocks are the words and some of the words are theirs. I am haunted by waters. I think that's such a great place to end for us. I I think again if we're looking at right this eventually all things merge into one and a river runs through it right. Life is that river and river the, the river runs through everything right. Life is always going to be life and Sometimes there's these timeless raindrops, right? That are these moments that feel so good. Maybe when we're sitting on a rock and the river isn't dangerous and we're feeling this timeless raindrops, right? And that feels really good. Under the rocks are the river or are the words, right? And some of the words are theirs. Some of the words are the people who have hurt us. Some of the words are people who created trauma in our life, maybe put us in the river, Whatever that looks like, right? Whether that was a parent, whether that was a school friend, whether that was somebody we dated, whether that's somebody that we're married to, right? We have to look at the words. And I I do believe that when we face these things, they don't haunt us anymore. We get right with ourselves. We get right with others when necessary or necessary. When it's healthy to do so, and we find peace again. And we're there on the riverbank, and we're able to enjoy waters. We're not haunted by them, right? We're able to enjoy that, and we know how to keep ourselves safe. At the end of this episode, I want to remind you that your story matters. Remember, there's something meaningful in every chapter. Don't wait to share your story till it's finished. Until next time, Jackie. The legal stuff. This podcast is solely for the purpose of information and entertainment and does not constitute therapy, nor should it replace competent professional help. The Prayer of the Perfectionist. Nobody has time for perfection. We are pursuing progress. Help me remember I can't do it all. Help me to take things one step at a time. Help me to remember the only step I need to focus on is the next right step for me. Help me to remember that life is a journey. Help me to be able to separate all that I am learning from all that I have to do. Help me to remember that I am not alone I can ask for help. Help me to strive for frequent awakenings, not mastery. I am enough, amen.